Welcome to the Topeka First Assembly podcast. We hope this message serves as an encouragement to you. If you would like to support us financially, you can do so online at www.topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. So this morning, we're going to continue on with Vision 2024 here. And so uh, we're going to look at a couple things and uh, service and growing are going, I'm sorry, but when you, when you drive down the street, do you know where you're going? You know, you're driving down the street, do you, do you know where you're going? I, I hope you do. If you don't, you're simply burning gas and, and wasting time, right? That can be expensive in the world we live in. Uh, I had a guy that uh, met me from Oklahoma here the other day, and, and uh, he said, I had a choice. I could drive this vehicle or I could drive the, this vehicle. One, one, one was gasoline, and it was a dollar cheaper to drive that than it was the one that was a diesel. They got the same mileage, so I drove the one that was a gasoline. What? So you, you make choices, right, according to sometimes the cost. But, you know, uh, we usually don't just drive around without, uh, without a, a reason, without a purpose, without some kind of a plan, right? Usually we have a plan when we get in our car to go somewhere. We, we may not have a written one, right? Uh, but you may think, okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to go to this store, and then I'm going to go to this store, and then I'm going to go to this store, and I can knock everything out at one shot, so I can get home and be done with all those things, and, and then live my life, right? And so we we do it because, well, it you know it it costs money to drive. It costs you have to pay for fuel and brakes and oil changes and all that kind of stuff, no matter how expensive the car is or not, and so. Uh, and if you don't have a car, then, then you may be thinking, how much is it going to cost to ride the bus? And, uh, or then how much is it going to cost to get an Uber to go take me somewhere? So, so you think about those things, and you think about the time. So usually we make a simple plan. Um, we want to be able to take the most effective and time-saving route. And the same really kind of goes for us in ministry as well. Uh, we we want to make sure that we, we uh, do, do the things in the right way. So... When we aimlessly do ministry, we are simply burning up our resources and using time. And that's not the kind of people we want to be. We need to have, the, have an idea where we're going, but in the middle of it, we also need to keep the mentality of biblical excellence uh, and where the scripture says, whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord, as working for the Lord. So uh, how, how we work with excellence is important. But the other part of this is that we don't serve aimlessly as a church, as a ministry, or even as an individual. So we want to uh, use whatever we have and uh, use it for God's glory and in his time. The Apostle Paul writes something over in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. It's a strong verse. It's a really good verse. Uh, and he says this in verse 24. He says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run? And most people would say, well, of course, but only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. Well, you know, back then it was a little different. Their crown, what was it? Laurel leaves, I think is what it was. And they, they would wrap that around, and you may have seen that in Roman times where you've seen it depicted in a, in a picture or something like that. That stuff's going to rot, right? It's going to go, you know, you have flowers on the table. They're going to last only so long unless they're plastic, right? 
But, but, but anyhow, so he's, ta he's talking about this. The crown only lasts some uh, period of time. Uh, and so then he says, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. So, I mean, what are you going to gain out of that, right? What are you going to gain by beating there? No, you're not going to gain anything. It's not competition, really. And so we must not run aimless, aimlessly. We, we must run as to get the prize. Well, some are going to say, well, that's being too competitive. <laughs> well, I'm not going to apologize for what the Word of God said. Because I think he's being pretty plain there. And I think we do need to uh, recognize what he says uh, to understand he's trying to make some points here. And, and so uh, we are in a competition between the light and the dark. Uh, and we have to remember that. We live in this world. We're not of this world, but we live in this world. And it is somewhat of a competition. And, and the apostle says, run in such a way as to get the prize. We have a job to do as God's people, and he has empowered us to do it. That's, that's what Acts 1-8 is about. He empowers us so that we can do the job he's called us to do. And we, we can't simply be here at church like someone who just hangs out at the gym, but they never lift weights or exercise, right? Have you ever, have you ever seen that? Maybe you've went to the gym and, and you've gone there and you see those people that are just floating around and they, you never see them push a, push a, 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 a on, the, on the press and uh, I can't even say what it is, the bench press or the inclines or, or leg press. You don't see them do any of that or maybe not ride a cycle or, or to do a treadmill like that. You know, they, they just hang around there and they appear like somebody who lifts. Maybe. They aren't getting stronger. They aren't getting healthier. They just appear like it. Our mission is to love God, love people, inspire hope. That's our mission as a body. And we must connect with each other and fellowship. You know, that needs to be part of our lives and part of our walk. We need, we need to grow in our faith in Christ. That's something that, that needs to be working inside of our lives. And this is, I spoke about those things last week. And today we need to add a couple elements to this. And, and we must serve and go. So service is a big part of who we are as the body of Christ. And also going. So for us to become all God wants his church to be, we need to implement service and growing or going <laughs> or being a witness in missions. We're, we're going to break these down a little bit today. And I think those are some important parts, you know, uh, for our walk with Jesus. When I was spending time with the Lord a couple years back, don't worry, I've done it since then too. Uh, but when I was spending some time with the Lord, the Lord oppressed me with these words, and if you've been here for very long, you probably know it, you probably remember it, and he said, we're, we're not called to greatness, but service. We're not called to greatness, but to service. And see, the thing is, is greatness tends to be about us. It tends to be about you and me. It tends to be as us, as individuals, and so... Uh, so what happens is we kind of get things skewed a little bit, a little bit twisted. We get things confused uh, a little bit with those kind of ideas. And so people can lose the sight uh, uh, of who matters and what matters. And we're talking about the Lord here in our relationship to him. And so this is one of the problems that Jesus faced with his disciples. 
he faced it with them back in the day, and he, he's walking around with them, and, he, and they had some problems. The 11 of the 12, they later figured it out, and one of them didn't figure it out. We know that. Scripture teaches us that. And so the 11 that were remained, they went on to become the 11 apostles, right? It comes from the Greek word apostolos. Apostolos means sent one, right? They, they were sent out after he sent them out, he trained them, and he sent them out. But before the 11 figured it out, Jesus had to teach them of the idea about service in different ways. He had to help them to understand this, and sometimes he would just told it to them straight, right? Sometimes Jesus did that, but sometimes he, he would do it uh, in a way that demonstrated what he was talking about. And yes, he used parables, but usually a lot of times when he spoke parables, it was usually to a greater group, and then he would come back and he would teach his disciples so that they could understand, and they would say, what in the world did you mean, Jesus? And he says, well, here's, here's the scoop. And so here we find in the book of Luke, chapter 9, verse 46, these words. Luke writes this, and he, he, he puts it down, and it says, An argument started among the disciples as to which of them would be the greatest. Here we go. Here we go. The, the argument starts, and, and then it says in verse 47, Jesus, knowing their thoughts, took a little child and had him stand behind him. I'm sorry, beside him. Uh, then he said to, the, said to them, whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. For it is the one who is least among you, uh, you all, who is the greatest. Pretty strong statement to them in that day and age. It is for us too. We view kids a little bit different than they did back then. Uh, we can kind of understand what he's saying here, uh, but usually kids were a secondary thing. I know it was kind of like when I lived in, in Africa, sometimes because of the uh, uh, mortality rate and such, they didn't. there were even some cultures that didn't even give their kids a name until they were eight years old. And so, so you have those kind of things happening. And so, uh, and so they didn't always think very highly of their kids, and so... But Jesus was, was plainly trying to give his disciples humble, uh, to keep them humble and to keep us humble today in our world. Not just then, but here as well. And a child doesn't have much experience in life yet. They're, they're still growing and learning, right? They're, they're growing. They haven't made it yet, but they're growing and they're learning. And, but Jesus reminds his disciples that they too need to keep the same humble attitude as someone who is learning and growing. That's for us too. Doesn't matter if we're 5 or 45 or 85. It really doesn't matter. We all have to keep that same kind of attitude. And, and, and we see here that this is not the only time they were arguing about who was the greatest among them. We know that from the Gospels, and, and it, it was a problem. It's just the same problem exists today, doesn't it? The same problem exists today. It's just, it's just a reality. And, and you may say, well, Pastor, you, 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 just, uh, you just mentioned that we were supposed to be people who run in such a way as to get a prize. You said we're supposed to do it, so we're competing against each other. No, not really. We're not really competing against each other. 
But uh, I did mention this, but, but just, just because you run in such a way to win a prize doesn't mean you have to run over everyone who gets in your way. That is something that we have to get into our minds because sometimes the world teaches us we, we need to run uh, over everybody we have to to be able to get to the place that we want to be. And that, that's not God's way. That's not Jesus' way. There, there are people who step on everybody they can to get to the top, and once they get there, they have to live with their dirty selves. And they may be tough enough on the outside, but they don't show it. But on the inside, it's a hard thing for them. And we don't want to be that way. I, I know, I don't know about you, but I want to have a clear conscience, right? And I, I will want to live that way. And the Apostle Peter, he, he was one of these 12 who, who uh, later learned the lesson, actually the 11 at that point. And, and uh, the, the Apostle Peter... He said this later on in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. Some of you know this scripture. You can probably quote it. He said, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Now, it's King James Version that I, I read there. But, but Peter wasn't the only one to say something like this after Jesus, after he had resurrected and everything. There were some others that got it. And it was James is one of those. James in James 4.10 says this, Humble yourselves in the sight of God and he shall lift you up. In other words, he, he can lift it, us up at the right time and he can work in our lives. He can tra transform and to change us. And, but if we, ha we have to be able to humble ourselves before the Lord and it's being available, isn't it? It's being available to the Lord. We need to be the kind of people that are willing to be available to God no matter what our situation is, whether it's work or school or, or whether we're running down the road or what, whatever it is that we're doing. And, and Jesus taught by example. We know that. He taught over and over what true greatness really is, and uh, it is service. That's, that's what he comes down to, and we can see it in the Gospel of John before Jesus actually goes to the cross uh, in the greatest act of service known to man. He goes to the cross. No one has done what Jesus has done for us in that same fashion. They haven't, they couldn't, they can't. Because Jesus bore our sin on himself when he went to the cross. In John chapter 13, verse 3, it says this, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. Uh, so he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. So at this point, you know, you have Peter there, and I'm not going to read all of what was said there, but at this point, uh, Peter, as hard-headed as he was, didn't want Jesus doing the menial job of service. He, he didn't want him to do this, this work of a servant. And in one way, it kind of uh, makes him and others look bad if he isn't serving himself, Right? That's kind of what it does for Peter and for the others. So he, he didn't understand it well at that point. And John then later goes, uh, goes on to write and to record uh, some, of, uh, some of what Jesus said there. And in John chapter 13, verse 12, it says this. When he, speaking of Jesus, 
had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Uh, do, Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that's what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. And back then, that meant a lot. That was a big deal, right? That They wear sandals usually, so their feet get dirty. They walk through the dirt and the sand. And and, and I remember we actually did, did this one time when I was living in and actually went in East Africa, and while I was there, we did this, and I realized what it meant because everybody had been walking with their sandals there because that's the way they walked. And so it meant soap and water. It was, it was work, right? It, it wasn't just a gesture. It was work. And so I'm sure it was the same for these guys in some sense. And, and, then, and then he goes on and he says, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. He says, very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. In other words, we need to live it out, right? We need to live lives of service to one another. We need to live lives of service. That's, that's how it needs to be for us. We must find ways to serve one another. We can only do this if we're connecting to each other in fellowship, if we have that type of connection. And then you, you, you may serve as a greeter or helping with kids with the background check, right? And uh, serving with dinners. There are many things that we can do, but we must find ways to serve those outside of our four walls as well. And it's important for us. And when we serve with a humble attitude and with the love for others, it can have a real impact on their life for Christ. It can have an impact on them. It may change their day. It may change their day. It may change their week. But it also may change their life. And because we're willing and we're open, we've made ourselves available to God and we're willing to serve them with kindness and with God's kind of love. Sometimes the opportunity to serve actually comes to us in unexpected and sometimes unusual ways. That's just a reality. So we have to be willing to roll with those things as they happen. Uh, there's a church I was just reading about here recently this, la- this month, and uh, actually in another country, it was in Ind- Indonesia, and the church... Uh, they, they told the story where uh, the pastor was the superintendent of this area of the district. And, and so he, he was also pastoring it. And all of a sudden, he up rolls a truck. And the truck rolls up to the church. And, and uh, he, they have 200 chairs in the back of the truck. And he's like, okay. And they said, uh, these chairs are for the church. And he's like, What? So they pulled out the bill of lading and everything. It had his name on it, and it, it, was, it was legitimate. And he said, no, these chairs are for you. And he's like, okay. Uh, he didn't really know what to do with it. And so finally they said, well, you know what? Well, we'll put them all in the church. 
and there it's very common that people in that culture, they do a lot of activities and, and things at their homes and houses and stuff. And so they need chairs to do it, right? And so he said, well, you know what we'll do? We'll just leave the church open. And so they left the church open. They put the uh, chairs there in the church and they told people in the community, if you need to borrow some chairs, have at it. And I'm sure just like us, they probably have some challenges and don't really want to leave things unlocked. But, but in doing that, people started hearing and they started borrowing the chairs and they would bring them back. And, and so they had what they called the, the chair ministry. Kind of unique, right? Kind of unusual, but that's what they did. And you know what happened is people... Now, what I didn't tell you is in this area, it is a very large area of unreached people who've not heard the gospel. And so what happens because of those chairs? Because if somebody was generous and they, and they gave those chairs, they still didn't know where they come from. They gave those chairs and then the, then the church, the pastor and the ministry, they opened the door for the community. They had people come to faith because of that. It opened the door for people to come to faith in Jesus Christ. And so, and then something else kind of happened. And if you, it's kind of similar to what happened with Topeka First years ago, back in the 1920s and 30s when they were building a church. The, we were building a church, I should say. But these guys, they started having people in the community that weren't even part of their, their, uh, their uh, church body. And they started helping them to build the new building that they needed to build all because they were willing and they made themselves available to start a chair ministry that they never expected. You know, God opened a door for them. They, ser they, they served others with the, with the blessing they received. And there's kind of, uh, the, the kind of act of service started with this generosity from someone else that they don't even know. And, and the act of service was a risk. It was a risk for them because they kept their church unlocked. But in the end, people came to faith. And you just never know what your faithful service will produce in your community. We don't always know. So what, we do, what do we do? We take a chance to reach out to others with the love of Jesus in our world. We, we must not walk around aimlessly, as Paul says, run in such a way as to get the prize. Now, I think probably at the, at the football games that are going to take place today, for the most part, I think those players are going in there to win, right? That's usually what they do, especially at this level. It's all in. Now, we, it hasn't always been that way, has it? But, but they go all in. And for us as followers of Jesus, we need to be those type of people that say, Lord, we're all in. We're all in, Lord. And so, uh, so we need to run in such a way as to get a prize. Not only this, but remember what Jesus said in John 13, 14, and 15. He said, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I've done for you. See, Jesus is speaking to a lot more than just washing feet. doesn't mean that that's not part of it, but it is. But, but we need to become the kind of believers who can take action and humble ourselves to be able to serve others. We need to be able to, to connect with each other, to grow in our walk with Christ and, and uh, in our leadership in Christ, and we need to be able to serve. But there's another part here 
that we know that needs to be a part of us as a body and as his individuals is to go. Just that simple word is to go. And once Jesus was raised, he gave the apostles and the rest of the followers of Jesus this command. Jesus gave the message to the 11 that were remaining, and, but this command was, it was for everyone in the church, right? It was for everybody. Didn't matter who they were, it was for them. And, uh, and if you follow Jesus, it's for you, right? It's for us. You know the passage, I've said it before many times. It's Matthew 28. And in Matthew 28, it says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age." See, Jesus was giving this command to his people as one holding the authority of heaven. So he didn't just give this command in a vacuum without the power to be able to tell you to do it. No, he gave it with the authority that he had from the Father. His command wasn't empty, uh, but, and it also came with a promise. And we still hold that promise with us today as we continue to follow and to serve Jesus in our world. We still have that promise, and we still have that command that we've received from him. And we know that promise is there in verse 20 there where he says, I am with you always to the very end of the age. You know he's saying there's not going to be a day or a time that I am not with you, especially when you go about doing my business. I think sometimes we, 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 we get weak at times and we're like, oh, I don't know, God, if you're going to help me do this. And so then we walk away from that opportunity, but we don't want to walk away from that opportunity. We want to recognize that we don't depend on our own strength at that time, but we're depending on the Lord. And we all have to walk through that, right? We all have to learn that truth. And so, you know, the, 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 the thing is, is it doesn't matter if you're in a cave. It doesn't matter if you're at school. It doesn't matter if you're at work. You can be running down the highway. It doesn't matter what your location is, but the Lord will not leave you. He will stick in there with you. And when we're willing to be available and we're willing to go and share hope with others, he's willing to back us up. We have to be careful that we don't leave it up to others, right? have a pastor friend who, who was an engineer and he was sitting down with me and talking to me recently and one of the things he said is he said uh, when he actually went to the mission field and served there too with his wife and uh, he said that uh, his family friends would say, why in the world would you be going when you can send? Remember, he, he's, a, he's an engineer, he did very well and he's like, they're like, why would you be doing this? It's just better, just let somebody else go and you send them. It's like, no, that's, that's not God's plan. And, and, and he realized that once he went and he had served, and when he came back, he said the really cool thing for him, they spent a term there, and uh, once they came back, he said, we were able to come back and receive our job back at a higher level of pay. Both of them got the exact same jobs back that they had when, before they had served, but with more income which is really cool. And now, now later on, he's, he's now a pastor. But 
it's just cool. And sometimes we have to be willing and recognize that God gives us opportunities. And, and going has different parts, right? There, there's different elements in it. Going has different parts. First, it means we're sharing our faith from where we are, right? From, from where we are, our location, our lifestyle. Second, it includes sharing our faith outside of our area. Outside of our area, out, maybe outside of our state or outside of our county or in America, then outside of our, even our culture, right? Uh, we have those opportunities. And, and first, sharing our faith where we are is our school or our work or our family, our, our neighborhood. God, God will give us those opportunities where we are when we're open to him and when we stay available. It also includes us as a church body, right? Not just as individuals, but as a body. So it's not a either or, it's both and for us. And how we reach out as a collective body to people around us. We have a responsibility to our communities to share Christ with, with the hurting world who needs hope. But uh, you have, you've been commissioned by God to share the good news of Jesus to others in this world. But just remember, he won't leave you on your own. You, you have to stay connected to him. And, you know, we're looking forward to this fall again, right, at the end of the summer. We'll, we're we're uh, trusting the Lord to be able to do another, uh, another uh, backpack giveaway to minister to our community in a tangible way because we want to help them. And so, you know, and if you want to jump on board with that, make sure you do. Hey, we're gonna, we'll be uh, asking for supplies and all that or funds to be able to help with that. And then, then we'll get together as servants and we'll serve the community that that's, we're right here among. We want to be able to do those kind of things. The second thing with this is it includes sharing our faith outside of our area. And since you and I have been commissioned to take the gospel to the world, we need to be ready not only to send missionaries, but to go when we have those opportunities. And you never know what kinds of opportunities will arise because we live in a very big world and there are a lot of different people. And there's some really cool things that God does. Another story I read here just recently, the past couple of weeks, is Peter and Dahlia uh, Bright. They serve as missionaries in Mexico City. It's one of the world-class cities, right? You have, you have Paris, you have Mexico City, you have New York, you have, uh, you have Lagos, Nigeria. You have all these huge, massive, millions of people there. And so uh, they, they, they are serving there, and they're in a large-scale church planting uh, organization reaching out in the areas where people aren't always reached with the gospel. And so they received a phone call one time asking them to share Jesus with a local family. And so they said, okay. And so when they get to the address, the location of where this was, they were a little bit shocked. They were a little and confused because uh, the, there was a brand new church there. And they're like, okay. And so they get there and they get it, go inside. And there were about 20 people there in attendance. And they were waiting what the, to hear what the brights had to uh, say to them. See, their, their story, it really kind of sounds like Peter and Cornelius in the book of Acts in some sense. Because God was doing something they didn't know it. The, the brights had learned that a brother in the family had immigrated and had joined, had joined an evangelical church, and he accepted Christ as his Savior, and he sent money back to his siblings in Mexico, and he instructed them to use the money to build a church where they could learn what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. 
And as Peter and, and Delia spoke in that church, many of the brothers' family members decided to follow Christ that day, which is pretty cool. And so from there, they visited and some of the others visited and uh, weekly to disciple these new believers. So you never know what kind of door of service God will open for us to go. We, we don't know. We have to be willing and open to what God is saying, what God gives us as an opportunity. It's like that Apostle Peter and, and Cornelius, uh, how he goes to Cornelius' house. You have to put your views aside and let God work in the lives of people he loves, and he loves all people. See, we're messengers. See, we're called to love God, love people, inspire to hope. Uh, Peter and Delia Bright, they could, they could have simply ignored the request and moved on, but the, the love of God compelled them to share hope. Who, who would have thought that God would have opened a door in this way? Very unusual, isn't it? It's just unusual, but God does those things because he is willing to impact the lives of other people because he cares for them. See, we're called to go to all the nations. That word nations comes from the original language, ethnos, which means ethnic groups, and we need to take the good news of Jesus to every group of the world. We need to give every group a chance to hear the gospel of Jesus, and some have never heard, still up to today to this day. It's amazing to think that's the case, but it is the case. I remember seeing that in the 1990s when I lived in West Africa. I remember engaging those people directly, and it, it, it was quite the experience. But, but we understand that that's a, a similar, it's a similar case in many areas. And, and the Joshua Project is an is a organization who keeps track of the number of people groups in the world who do not have a sufficient witness of Jesus Christ among them. There, there's, neither, there's no churches there or, or there's no followers of Christ among them. Sometimes there are churches in the area, but they're not actually affecting those local people. They're not actually engaging them. Sometimes the people that are there are just uh, internationals that have moved in. They follow Jesus, and so they set up uh, some kind of services there. But many times they haven't engaged the people. And so there are approximately, the Joshua Project, and you can look it up if you like, if you're interested, joshuaproject.com, uh, but uh, they, they say there are approximately 17,281 people groups in the world. And there are at least 7,000 of them, 7,246 unreached people groups who haven't heard the gospel. Take that back, it's joshuaproject.net. I remember serving in West Africa as we had big meetings among um, across the denominations and fellowships and all that, and we kind of set those things aside, and we got to work towards ministering to these people. We went into areas, I remember we went into one local government, which is like our county. We went in there, and there were 11 groups of people who had never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. I know, we witnessed to some of them. And so, and so, and and the church has moved on and made some more effects since I've left there in that area. And also, it brought a lot of persecution to them too. Tough area, very tough area. But Jesus said these words in Matthew twenty four fourteen. He said it, and this gospel of the kingdom 
will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. See, we're well on the way, right? We're, we're well on the way, uh, but we're not there yet. We're not yet finished, and, and more must hear the gospel, and this is why we must go. Yes, we must go here in our locality where we live, and we must not forget that. It's important for us to be able to do that, to witness to our community. Yes, but we have to remember there are others outside of this world that we live in that have not heard the gospel of Jesus Christ in other nations. This is why we send missionaries. It's why we go. This must be why. This is why we uh, we go when we can. When we go and when we we see every opportunity and we step into it. This is why we go where we're at because people must hear the good news. As we wrap up this morning, see, you're not only called to serve, but you're called to go. Say, well, I don't know about me, Pastor. You know, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a pastor, minister. Uh, we're all called. See, it's up for all of us. The Great Commission was for everyone that's a part of the body of Christ. It's for all of us. We're all called to serve. We're all called to go and share. Have you ever thought that what you do or don't do may have an effect on the spiritual and eternal life of another person? I'm not here to put a guilt trip on any, any, anybody. That's not what it's about at all. Uh, because the reality is, is that God sent his Holy Spirit to empower us to be witnesses. And we have to be willing to take those opportunities that, that God gives us. And sometimes we miss them. I've missed them before too. Sometimes we all miss them. But we want to stay open to say, God, here I am. And that, you know, it's all about Acts 1.8. He said, you'll receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Uh, he, he empowers us to be able to share this hope that we have. He empowers us to be able to create desire or to make disciples, to help people to grow in their faith. The truth is that we connect, we grow, we serve, and, and we go together. It's not something that we simply do on our own. Doesn't mean we don't do it as individuals, because we do, right? That's important. We have to do that as individuals. We have to engage people, and we have to worship together, but we have to be able to work together as well. And I believe the Lord is calling you closer. Closer. Maybe just to be a little bit like John the Baptist. I'm not saying you're going to eat locust beans off of a tree and, 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 and eat honey for your lunch, you know. I'm not saying that. I don't, maybe you do already. I don't know. That's fine. But each and every one of us are called to be something like that guy, to be a prophet to our world, to be people who are, are speaking to the lives of others. Don't misunderstand me when I say prophet because what I'm talking about is a person that is sharing the gospel as preacher, as a proclaimer, is willing to, to speak into the lives of other people and share the hope that we have in Christ. And as you find a way to share Christ with others, grow in your faith too. Amen? We grow in our faith as we learn ways to be able to share Christ with others in our world. That's how we grow. It's one of the ways that we grow. I want to challenge you, friends. Share what you've received. 
You say, but I don't know very much. Well, share what you have and then get in the Word of God and allow Him to help you so you can share more as He gives more to you. Let me pray with you this morning. As I've challenged you this morning, I pray that you would be willing to go and be willing to serve and open your heart to the Lord to be able to do those things. Father God, we just open our hearts up to you. And Lord, we say, Lord, here we are. We're available. We're your church. We're your people. Father God, we, we say, Lord, please give us these opportunities and help us to be aware enough of what's happening that we can at least say a word of encouragement, a word of, uh, of love towards people to guide them to Christ. Father, I pray that you would help us to be willing, even, Father God, if we don't feel good or if the thing, the day has been a bad day, I, I pray that you'd help us to overcome that and to be able to step out in faith because we know, Jesus, that you're with us. We know that the Holy Spirit is with us. You won't leave us by ourselves. You're there with us. Lord, what have we got to lose? Father, I pray that you'd help each and every one of us as we become witnesses of Christ, but also as we become servants of Christ, servants of one another. Father, may our lives bring you glory in everything we do, Father. In Jesus' name.